beginning of the year. I'm not sure about you, but I have never gotten seasick. And that's not because I am a hearty soul, but that's because I grew up in the desert. Um, and I found that the waves of sand that surround me do not cause seasickness. But I do know from reading and from firsthand testimony that the heaving, rolling, pitching waves of the open sea causes seasickness. And many can testify to the misery of seasickness. One sailor author said, the worst thing, the worst thing about being seasick, <coughs> excuse me, about being seasick is knowing you are not going to die. Now, there are medicinal ways that you can address seasick, seasickness, but the old salty dogs say there's a tried and true method. It's to keep your eyes fixed on the horizon and away from the rolling, lurching waves. A scientific ex- explanation says motion sickness is caused in part by conflicting sensory signals to your brain. Your eyes are telling you everything is still, while your inner ear mechanism it says you're moving. Looking at the horizon can give your brain a point of reference, or a fixed point, allowing it to sense the motion of your ship of the ship and the body with it. And so a fixed point is what sailors and those out on a three-hour cruise and more can do as they try to ward off seasickness. Today we're going to find, similarly, that we need to ensure that we have a fixed point of reference in our journey through 2021 so that we can fend off something much more serious than seasickness. We want to fend off spiritual ineffectiveness. Today, our goal is to make Jesus the continual fixed point in our lives and in our church. And so we're going to ask the question, how can we keep Jesus or make Jesus, whatever the case may be, the fixed point of reference in our lives in 2021? You see, our goal here this morning is to take our eyes off the wobbly, shaky, unsteady ship that is 2021. You may be able to see, you may be able to see the the, the, the waves of public opinion and conventional wisdom pounding against your life, and it can be tempting to have our eyes go a whole host of other places, and what we need to do is ensure that Jesus is our fixed point in our lives on our horizons. And that's our goal. That's what we're going to do as we look at Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. You see, our church, we, must be a church that has Jesus as our fixed point of reference. One of those reasons is because the world that we live in needs a church that holds Jesus as her fixed point of reference. The world does not need our advice. They need our Jesus. The world does not need our politics. They need our Jesus. The world does not need our opinions. They need our Jesus. And the way that we keep our Jesus, first and foremost, and in the front, is that we make him the fixed, immovable point in our horizons. And so that is our goal today, to make Jesus our fixed point. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, I'll read again. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance, the race that is set before us, looking 
to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. So ends the reading of God's word. Let's pray. Lord, help us this morning. Help me. In all this room, I'm the weakest. I know that. And yet, it falls to me to preach your word. Please, be merciful. Holy Spirit, please come upon me as I preach and all of us. In your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. Our two points this morning will be two questions. Why should Jesus be our fixed point? And how? should Jesus be our fixed point? Why should Jesus be our fixed point? And how should Jesus be our fixed point? First, why? We see why in verse 2. Here's a description, according to the writer of the Hebrews, book of Hebrews, of why Jesus should be our fixed point of reference. Looking to Jesus because he is what? The founder and perfecter of our faith. And the idea here is much less personal and much more broad than that. He is the founder and perfecter of the Christian faith. More that, That's the idea here. He's the founder and perfecter of the Christian faith. The faith is the substance of what we believe as Christians. The faith that we follow is a, is a, fa- is a faith in the life-giving, death-defying message of Jesus Christ through the death, resurrection, and ascension of Jesus the Nazarene. Jesus himself is the founder of our faith. We did not find, we did not found our faith. We did not decide what the faith would be. The faith was handed down and given to us from Jesus through faithful preachers and the word of God, and Jesus is our founder. He is our pioneer. We look not to any man or woman as our leader. We look instead to our founder, Jesus Christ. You see, he founded our faith. He is the one who on his own cut a path through death by offering, by, and rising again so that we might be able to follow him. Without Jesus, there is no hope for any of us. Without Jesus, there is no way to God. Without Jesus, there is only eternal death. Without Jesus... Who, who, who trusted the Father without, resurrect, without, without reservation, even when it, when it meant destruction for himself. Without him, we have nothing. He is the founder. He's the one who shunned the unspeakable shame of the cross, and he endured it for us. And he has founded our faith. Not only has he started something, he promises to finish something as well. He's not just the founder, he's also the perfecter, verse 2 says. He's the perfecter. You see, if he was just the founder, then we could look at the faith and wonder, do I believe enough? And that's not the point. The point is this. Any who have authentic faith in Jesus, any who believe in the faith, he perfects that faith. So, It's not about how much faith we have or how strong our faith is, but the promise that Jesus perfects our meager faith. So again, the hope of the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ stands completely outside of all of us. 
He is. Why should we make Jesus our fixed point in 2021 and every year that the Lord gives us to live on this earth? Because he is both the founder and the perfecter of our faith. He has given us something to believe in and promised to bring us home. If you're getting the idea that the faith is all about Jesus, you're getting it. There you go. That's why he must be our fixed point in 2021. Now, how should Jesus be our fixed point in 2021? We go from why to how, and I'm going to give two suggestions. These are obviously not exhaustive or comprehensive, but two things that we should remember. First, your church is more important than any other association you belong to. It's more important than your work. It's more important than your school. It's more important than your political associations. I say this because it's counterintuitive. It's very easy to associate with people who think like us or believe politically like we do. It's easy and it's not wrong, but it's insufficient. If Jesus is to be our fixed point in 2021, we need to remember that we cannot and must not attempt to follow Jesus alone. If Center Church is your church, then you need other people in this church. If your church is another church and you are visiting, you need to be a part of that church. What we're not saying is that this is the only faithful church out there. We're saying that genuine Christians must be a part of a faithful church. Otherwise, they will not make it. And your church, whether it's here or out there, your church is the most important association you have. You see, one of the temptations when we read Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, is that we subtly change what it says. And I'll show you how I do it, and I think maybe I'm not the only one. Look at verse, 12, or verse 1 in chapter 12. We read it like this. Therefore, since I am surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let me also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let me run with endurance the race that is set before me. Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of my faith. Did you see what I did? I personalized it. Now, that's not wrong, but it doesn't get the idea of what's happening here. Look again. Therefore, since we, not one of us, all of us, are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us, together, lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. See, the implication is you cannot do that alone. Let us run with endurance together the race that is set before all of us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our collective faith. We are together not because we're of the same age, not because we're of the same political persuasion, not because we have the same socioeconomic class, but we are together because Jesus is our founder and perfecter together. We are united because of him. And we as a church must make Jesus, our fixed point of reference. And to be able to do that, you need other people to help you. You need it. You need to be in fellowship with people. You need to be in fellowship with others. I think we have an opportunity here in 2021. 2020 caught all of us by, by surprise. And, and COVID-19, one of the things COVID-19 did, it was like a big eraser. And it said, oh, you think these are your plans? False. You have no plans. You know what? You're going to stay home. Not only are you going to stay home, you're going to stay away from people. 
That's what COVID-19 did. And I realize it's strange to talk about reset now when things are not opened up and there are still risks out there, but I do think it's worthwhile for us to consider when things open back up, how, how should we build our lives? How should we build our schedules? See, for me, before, one of the things I realized is I put stuff in my schedule because I had room, not because it was the best thing for me to be doing at that time, and I was busy. See, we have, an, I think, an opportunity in 2021 to let our priorities be reflected in our schedules. So, may I suggest one of the things that we do as a church is to build our lives into others as a church and make room for it. If you've never joined a small group, join one. Serve. There, is ton, there, are ton, there will be and are tons of places that we would love to have you serve. And as you serve with people, you get to know people. And as you get to know people, you make friends, the kind of friends who can call you when you're struggling or who you can call when you're struggling. Maybe as you build your life into others, you can finally feel the freedom to ask for help. Sometimes people can think. Everybody expects perfection. Listen, there is, that is not what we expect here. We all recognize that we are sinners who need a Jesus to found and both, both found and perfect our faith because we're flawed. All of us need help in different ways. And it's not just leadership and pastors that are called to give that help. In fact, if that's the primary way that help is given in a church, then it will not be successful. It will not reflect God and his glory. We must give, give ourselves to each other. See, we need our church. Our church, we must be a church that has Jesus as her fixed point. And we cannot do that alone. So may we remember that your church, wherever that may be, is the most important association you belong to. And secondly, a second way for us to attempt to keep Jesus as our fixed point of reference in 2021 is to remind ourselves to trust in spiritual solutions more than political solutions. We must be a people who trust in spiritual solutions more than political solutions. Now, hear me. I'm not saying that political solutions in our nation are of no value. I'm not saying that. I'm saying that political solutions in our nation are not of ultimate value. Political solutions, as important as they may be, are not something for us to build our lives on. See, we must make Jesus our fixed point, and it's very tempting to make the happenings and events of Washington, D.C. our fixed point on the horizon. And then our emotions and our, our effectiveness ebbs and flows with what's happening there. Talk about getting seasick. If you focus on Washington, 
you will have motion sickness. We need to look away from Washington. Not say, I'm never looking back, but look away and fix ourselves on Jesus. Listen, it's obvious that our nation is fractured. It's obvious. And it's also obvious that Washington will not fix this fracture. The media will not bridge this divide. And the answer, my friends, does not lie either on the left or the right. The answer lies with Jesus. You see, this is why we as a church must be a people fixed on Jesus. Not only do we need to be fixed on Jesus in all that we are and all that we do, but our world, even though our world doesn't know it, even though our community has no idea, even though they don't have a clue, what our world needs most is that we are a people fixed on Jesus and Jesus alone. Because Jesus and his word has the words of life. Nothing else does. Nothing else does. It can be tempting to think that the political solutions are those things that we must contend with with the most force. And I just want to say they are important, but that is not our call. Our call is to lift the name of Jesus on high and make him our point of reference. This is what we're supposed to be. This is what we're supposed to do. This is who we are. He's not going to move. Our nation will go left and then right and then back left and then back right. Jesus, the same. Jesus, fixed. Jesus, unchanging. Focus, focus. We must focus on Jesus. Now, I'm going to go ahead and step on everybody's toes now and give examples of how people on the right might be tempted to get their eyes off Jesus and how people on the left might be tempted to get their eyes on Jesus. And as I, as I take their eyes off Jesus, and as I do this, I'm not critiquing anyone and I have no one in mind, but I think, I think the gospel speaks a correction both to the right and to the left. For those of us on the right, we need to remember that conservatism is not the gospel. It's tempting to believe that conservative political philosophies are the answers to all of our nation's ills. It's not true. It's not true. I want people to know Jesus more than I want them to know Edmund Burke or Adam Smith or Ronald Reagan. I want people to know Jesus. You see, we, those of us on the right need to remember that conservative political philosophies are not the same as the gospel. They're not. And a church that gives itself to the propagation of conservative values will lose the gospel and then be about nothing at all. Think about it. If our hope is in who is elected and who is put out of office, then our hope ebbs and flows and rises and comes and goes based on national, state, and local elections. We can't do that. You might say, wait a minute, I feel like it's the end of the world. What are we going to do? Peter has some advice for those that think it's the end of the world. Peter says in 1 Peter chapter 4, the end of all things is at hand. Now, if you watch the news, what does that mean? 
What does it mean? Should we panic? Should we get angry? Should we start tweeting? Should we put stuff on Facebook that's mad and, and upset? Should we, should we run around and, and, and think, oh my gosh, what's happening? The sky is falling. What should we do? Here's what we should do. The end of all things, it's at hand. Therefore, be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. What? Above all, keep loving one another earnestly since love covers a multitude of sins. What? How is that going to make a difference? Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. Do you see what Peter's saying? In some sense, he's saying, it's the end of the world as we know it. Have people over for dinner and love each other because that makes a difference. That's a spiritual solution. A spiritual solution it's much more value, valuable than any political one. The end of the world, what do we do? We love others. We be kind. We have people over to dinner. We forgive. We serve. We give, each, we give ourselves to each other. See, the church itself needs Jesus to be its fixed point of reference. And the world needs us to have Jesus as our fixed point of reference. Other people can talk about conservatism. We talk about Jesus. Now, for those of us on the left, for those of us on the left, there's this idea and ideal now that activism, social activism, is the only faithful response to the gospel. There's a growing chorus of people out there saying that every church and every person must be about social justice or that that's the primary mission of the church. And that's just not true. Now, please hear me here. I'm not saying there aren't significant social issues for our nation to face. I'm not saying that it's, that it's not important to work for fairness or equity or justice in our nation. That's critical and that's important. And some of you may be called to undertake this work. I'm not saying racism isn't a thing because it is. But as important as this work is, it does not and cannot and must not replace the message of the Bible, Jesus Christ and Him crucified. We have to grapple with the reality that Rome was far more oppressive in Jesus' day. Far more oppressive. They murdered people by the hundreds and the thousands. Far more oppressive than anything we've ever lived under, and Jesus does not make one call for social reform. Now, does that mean it's wrong to call for social reform? No. It means that must not be the central message of our church. That's what it means. It can't be. Because if social reform becomes the central message of our church, we lose the gospel. We lose a focus on Jesus. Other people can talk about social reform. We talk about Jesus. Because if we give ourselves to social reform, we're not giving ourselves to Jesus now. Primarily, we are called to be about Jesus. You're going to see more and more that there are going to be voices that downplay plain biblical teaching, preaching, and discipleship. It's going to be viewed as inadequate, out of touch, and irrelevant. That's exactly what's happening now. And so we must keep Christ as the center. Now, you might not realize it, but our nation has faced this many times before. And the church has faced this many times before. 
If you want to read about one response nearly 100 years ago, you can read a book called Christianity and Liberalism by a man named J. Gresham Machen. He wrote a book and responded to what was he called liberalism. If he wrote it today, he would respond, he would, he would say, he would speak against the call for everyone to do social reform. Now, he concluded the book describing very well what a church ought to be about. And I read it, and it's a little lengthy, but I think it's valuable because I think it speaks to our day just as well as it spoke to his day nine decades ago. He says, but whatever solution there may be, one thing is clear. There must be somewhere groups of redeemed men and women who can gather together humbly in the name of Christ to give thanks to him for his unspeakable gift and to worship the Father through him. Such groups alone can satisfy the needs of the soul. At the present time, there is one longing of the human heart which is often forgotten. It is the deep, pathetic, by that he means passionate, longing of the Christian for fellowship with his brethren. Weary with the conflicts of the world, one goes into the church to seek refreshment for the soul, and what does one find? Alas, too often, one finds only the turmoil of the world. The preacher comes forward not out of a secret place of meditation and power, not with the authority of God's word permeating his message, not with human wisdom pushed into the background by the glory of the cross, but with human opinions about social problems of the hour or easy solutions for the vast problem of sin. Such is the sermon. Thus, the warfare of the world has entered even into the house of God, and sad indeed is the heart of the man who has come seeking peace. Is there no refuge from strife? Is there no place of refreshing where a man can prepare for the battle of life? Is there no place where two or three can gather in Jesus' name to forget for the moment all those things that divide, the, divide nation from nation and race from race, to forget human pride, to forget the passions of war, to forget the puzzling problem of industrial strife, and to unite overflowing, at, overflowing of gratitude at the foot of the cross? If there be such a place, then... That is the house of God, and that the gate of heaven. And from under the threshold of that house will go forth a river that will revive the weary world. The weary world that we live in needs us and faithful churches like us not to propagate principles from the right, not to propagate principles from the left, not to propagate anything but Christ and Christ alone. Our fixed point of reference must be Jesus. And I'll tell you what, it's going to be unpopular. And people are going to say that we're missing the boat. And people are going to say that we don't understand. And people are going to say all kinds of things like that. But what we need to recognize here is that we have no choice. Our fixed point as a church and as a people must today and forevermore be Jesus and Jesus alone. Only he can be our, is our founder and perfecter. Only he. And what we need to be reminded of is that the world will be unfair. It will be hard. There will be strife. There will be all kinds of problems in the world. But guess what? We serve one who has overcome the world and has left us here to do good work in this world. Praise God. We need that message. And you know what? Our world doesn't need our politics. They need our Jesus. Our world doesn't need our advice. They need our Jesus. Our world doesn't need our experiences. They need our Jesus. Our world doesn't need our opinions. They need our Jesus. 
Our world doesn't need our solutions. They need our Jesus. And so, in 2021, what our world needs and what we need are the same thing. To keep Jesus as our fixed point of reference. To keep Jesus as our fixed point. There is hope only in him. He is the founder and he is the perfecter of our faith. Some people need to see that there is a way out and his name is Jesus. Some people who are burdened by their own sin and Christians and have put faith in him need to see he's the one who perfects, not us. We obey, he perfects. We need the message of Jesus to be on our lips and our passion and our heart. Only he has made a way where every sin we have ever committed can be not just forgiven, but done away with forever and not held against us. God does not exist in the cancel culture. We would need to remember that we have a lasting hope because our Jesus died and rose again. We need to remember that we have purpose because he's given it to us. We need to remember that we face eternal life and not eternal death. And the closest we will get to hell is the world we're living in right now. We need to remember that through Jesus, he can break the dividing walls that we put up against different people of different ages, against people of different races. Listen, we can be a place that welcomes everyone from everywhere because guess what? That's what Jesus does. You see, when we focus on Jesus, everything else falls into place. And that's our goal. That's what we want to do. That's who we want to be. And guess what? We can smile at the future. I don't know what tomorrow holds. I have no idea how the inauguration is going to go. But you know what? I'm not worried. I can smile and so can you. Because Jesus is our fixed point of reference. Jesus and only Jesus. And so, center church, may we be a people in 2021 and beyond fixed on Jesus. Let's pray. Lord, we can say this, but we need your help to do this. Goodness gracious. Lord Jesus, we live in this world. We don't, we're not asking to be taken from it. Not yet. We're here. And so, Lord, I pray that you would help us to be a people who remember that our mission is to lift your name on high, to follow you however you lead us, to be a people that are obedient and responsive and loving, to be a people that see you and your work even in the hardest of times. And so, Lord, I just pray for our nation. I pray that you would raise up Christian churches all around this country to lift your name on high. And I pray that there would be a passion birthed in all Christians around this world and around our country and in our city and in our church to be a people that are most passionate about you. And Lord, I pray that you would revive our hearts and awaken us and help us to recognize that eternity is something that's not far off. It could just be tomorrow. 
And so, Lord, I pray that we would be a people taken with you, preoccupied with you. Lord, I pray that that would be the effect for all of us, Lord. We're preoccupied with a great many things. Draw our attention, Lord. Please forgive us for putting our eyes on the rollicking waves of conventional wisdom, what's trending on Twitter, and help us to see you. And Lord, we pray. Lord, we know that you do amazing things when things seem dark. And so, Lord, things are dark here in our country, and I pray you would awaken your church, awaken us, because our world needs, even though they don't know it, our world needs a church with Jesus as her, her sole point of reference. Help us to be a church like that, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.